0: What I've seen from you is with, like, specifically with misogyny, you don't expect it to exist. And then when you find it, you get so mad that it's there. And I walk around the world expecting it to be everywhere. And then the moments that it's not present, I'm like, cool, look at this wonderful moment. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhall, And this is Don't Say Content. We recorded an intense episode. No, I'm not going to say intense.
1: Margaret, what happened? Why are we here?
0: I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was on cough medicine when we recorded this. So I want all absolution from whatever I was said or we said. No, but really, I think, Devin, you and I um, recorded this episode specifically to kind of break our maybe our format a little bit and go way deeper and be way more vulnerable than we have been in the past. And I think that it's important because it's an important conversation and an important thing to talk about it because that most of the time we feel too uncomfortable to talk about it, yeah. right? But at the same time, I think that our hope and our maybe even worry about this is that people are going to listen to it and maybe we were too clunky in language or maybe they think we're talking about something that we're actually not talking about. Maybe it doesn't land. My ask for all the listeners is to just listen with an open mind. If you think some we got something wrong, use your nice words and let us know if you empathize and sympathize with the, the conversation that we're having. We would also love to hear from you if you have felt the same way, because the but conversation
1: just... isn't just about us. The
0: conversation that we're having about the
1: business world that we operate in and our experiences there, we had to cut out stories because there were so many and like we wanted to be so careful to only share kind of our own. Because we there's so many from other women specifically that we hear from about this. And so it's like we're telling it through the lens of our of our experiences, but it's the experience of to a person, all the women, professional women in my life right now. And if it's still happening, it's time to talk about it again. And it's time to get a little, you know, it's time to get a little fussed about it too. When we talk about this in the show, like, have we lived up to our mission? as much as we thought because we were so careful around this topic.
0: It's fair. And I think that we're both in this place right now where we're not employed by a company where we don't have to worry about whether this goes through some company's HR or not HR, PR, whatever are. And so I think that I also feel responsibility that we're in a place in our career and our lives and the way that we've built our businesses to be able to talk about this and to be able to be uncensored a little bit more than maybe, you know, even a round of revision through PR or or that's not what our business needs to stand for, that kind of language. So And we're um, scared, or sorry,
1: let me speak for myself. I'm terrified. For as much as I am seen as someone who's truthy and honest, like I've been in a panic about this episode since we recorded it because I believe in what we said and I believe in publishing the episode. But I'm really scared of what people are going to think about me, about, you know, what conclusions they're going to make without asking. Mm -hmm. And I'm terrified that I'm going to be branded as some, like, angry woman or something because I brought up a topic that makes men really angry, actually. I mean, I was just telling you about the episode of uh, Pivot I listened to today where Kara Swisher and Scott are getting in, like, a little argument. And I love that show. I love both of them. He gets very defensive when she's calling him out in a way that I've experienced so much in my career. I'm like, yeah, she's like this legendary journalist who has facts that she's presenting and she's getting trolled on X by all these tech bros who don't know the actual answer, you know. And so I feel like if it's happening out there still and she has to like make a point in her podcast to like call this
0: out. If she has to do, then this is a thing still. And it's worth talking about. I completely agree. I think that where we see the data points externally, the hidden underneath the anger is discomfort, right? It makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel shamed if they've actually participated or contributed to this in a way that maybe they didn't explore before. And so I I think that there's all of those things, right? And I know that those those emotions will be provoked whether it is shame or anger or, um, you know, disbelief, all of those stages of grief. And so it's still worth doing. But again, our hope is that this opens up lines of communication that are thoughtful and not just, I don't
1: know. It's like not a fight. It's like, what if we didn't look at it like
0: a fight? What if we looked at it
1: like, hey, this is happening. And there's also this like huge cohort of people who are doing great things like what if those things came together in a productive way so like that's the spirit of this it's like yes we're tired and exhausted from the same boring problem but also like let's talk about it then and instead of just back and forth it's like what if we were by bringing it out in the open and it's in a raw state we could then start to develop margaret As you always talk about your mantra, develop a shared understanding.
0: Yeah. Yep. Shared language. That's the name of the game. So this is our clunky, messy first attempt at creating a common language around this. We hope you enjoy it. We love you so much. Be nice to us. (laughs) Hi. You're calling an audible today, Devin. We had a whole plan. For today's podcast, and you are changing it, Margaret. How are you doing? How are you doing? There's a lot of moving parts these days. How are you doing, Devin? I have cancer. Oh gosh, that's not the first time I heard it. My oh gosh is not the first time. It's just the fact that hearing you say those words, second time in two years. Yeah, no, unrelated,
1: unrelated. No history of cancer, and it turns out I'm like the healthiest person alive according to science. And do you want to know something else? This is my favorite part, but also kind of the worst part. It's like such a rare kind of ovarian cancer that like 60 cases have ever been reported.
0: Stop it. Like
1: that's the way I chose to be special. Anyway, I'm not going to die. They caught it early. I'm actually very lucky. I'm going through chemo and it sucks. That's actually not what I wanted to talk about. But it is a fact of me talking about it is part of what I haven't been able to get off my mind recently. Mm. And... I've said this to you already, and I've said it to you behind the scenes, and I've said a lot of people, a lot of things to a lot of people behind the scenes, and I realized that the reason why I feel so bummed out about what I've done in the world thus far and why it's completely unfulfilling is because I keep being polite. People perceive me as someone who is more truthy and more honest But I just keep coming back to this disillusionment I've had around what I've done in my career. How based on the experiences that I had this fall, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I'm still playing by the rules. I'm still Mm. being polite. I'm like, oh, someone, you know, like someone did something to me in front of everybody else that was harmful. But I can't say his name out loud because that's that's rude. That's impolite. That's unprofessional. I shouldn't call him out because that's not how we do it. And I've just always done that. Like even on this show, it's like we wanted to talk real and like we have, but we also really fucking haven't. This show has never been about setting things on fire. I just keep coming back to this thought that we're not allowed to talk about the things that happen to us a lot of the time mm. because of how we will be perceived if we do it but that just means that these things keep happening. Yeah.
0: I think there's so many layers to this, right? You're talking about like your experience with people and can we talk about like our experience with people and can we whatever? And then you're talking about also life experiences too, right? Like the cancer thing. Like I know for a long time you were like, "Oh, I don't know if I ever want to tell the podcast that. Right. I didn't want to talk about it because
1: I was afraid that people would (laughs) see me as sickly and I wouldn't get work and I have
0: to support myself through cancer. Yeah. And you are seen as as a vulnerable truthy person to your point. But then there's so much that still remains filtered. And I think about that a lot, which is like how human communication is inherently always filtered, right? There's ne- you're never actually getting everything, right? And I think it's an interesting thought exercise to understand what is the filter, right? For you, for yeah. like understanding somebody else, what's their filter, and understanding what can actually get through. And I think that's when it it tends to be most interesting to me is when it's somebody that is seen as vulnerable and a truth teller and a whatever. And then they still have secrets. It's amazing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Again, I am not interested in setting off fireworks in the middle of a quiet street. After experiencing the changes in the workforce starting in 2021, I saw how that sort of petulant screaming just it turned me off. Yeah. I don't want to do that personally. I don't want us to do that either. But when it comes to patterns of misogyny that have Mm. not changed at all, at all, that continue to happen, it's like, at what point do we get to say, you know, this guy sucks. I've been afraid to gender our conversations because I'm afraid that people are going to look at me and be like, she hates men. I don't. I hate misogynist men who are meddling with me and my fucking queens all around me, and the fact that we, if we talk about it,
0: we're, were angry were must be bitter hysterical, yeah, yeah overreactive bitter to me it's it's still shocking to understand how much further we have to go. I look at what our moms had to deal with, what our mothers had to deal with, whether they were working or not. I mean, it was the 70s when women could get credit cards without having husband's permissions, right? Like, we're not far enough away from all of this shit. Yeah, 1970s when women were first able to get credit cards without having permission from their husband. Like, we're so not far away from all of this shit. But it's still and I think that the narrative is that we've Moved into this place of postmodern feminism where we've kind of solved a lot of these things, then you like just show up in the world and realize how far we still have to come. And it can be a little disheartening. Mm. Uh-huh. I think I
1: told you this already when I was in Austin. Yeah. And I was in a conversation among a group of people, professionals. This was a conference. I don't remember what the topic we were talking about was, it wasn't motherhood at all. And this guy, this young man sitting next to me, he's like, huh, you should just go have babies or some." It was something like that. And I was yeah. like, it's 2023. I looked at him and I was like, that was a really stupid joke. That wasn't funny at all. I tore him down. I wasn't even mad. I was like, you're an idiot and unoriginal. Get the fuck away from me. And again, it's like the thing that's hard to get across publicly and why I've shied away from it specifically on this podcast is I'm not mad anymore. Yeah. I'm really fucking sad. I don't know if cancer has made me like emotional and self-reflective, but to be perfectly honest, getting two completely different types of cancer that are unrelated to anything themselves, my history, my biology, anything, my lifestyle, it's hard to walk around and feel like anything is enough. Mm. And when I look back on my career and what I've experienced and what I've done, the success I have had thus far is completely and totally unfulfilling. Mm. I hate my career because it was stressful, it was thankless, it was underappreciated, I had to fight more than I got to enjoy. And I had to fight for things I was doing well, too. Mm. And it makes me really sad because I tried really hard. I tried so hard. To me, being CEO was my chance to make a little bit of impact. And the thing was, I just ended up playing the same game. Mm. I left and didn't say anything again. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's like each thing isn't, necessarily this like big bombshell it's a series of things that over time wear you down to make you think that the like
0: shit you're being given is enough you're like am i crazy for asking for it to be more than what it is because you kind of get told sometimes they're crazy how dare you ask for more right yeah it feels to me like you are in this intersection of reexamining your legacy You will have more years to build your legacy, but this is a good time to re examine your legacy and, like, what did I leave behind? Right. And at the same time, like, it's probably not going to be the work that you have done so far. And that's a scary spot to be like, okay, well, what is, what's the next? Like, if my legacy isn't the work I've done, what is it going to be? I know what it is already. And it happened
1: really fast. Yeah. I'm not leaving a legacy. I don't give a shit. What does a legacy is an egotistical pursuit and mm-hmm. it doesn't for me, it's not serving me. It never has. I don't give a shit. People can go figure out their own lives. That's all the coaching that we do. Think about it. Yeah. We're not solving, like we're not there to solve their problems for them. We're helping them learn to solve their own by teaching them things through <coughs> their exact, the situations they're going through. Think, in a different way or approach things in a new way that helps them solve them for themselves over time. And that's what makes it rewarding, right? You're like, you're teaching someone to fish. And I enjoy doing that for work. I do, I really like helping people, you know that. So that's fun, but it's not the point anymore. The point is me. And what do I wanna do in my life for myself to have fun? It's almost like in a very healthy way, I'm breaking, up with the, with, I'm breaking up with the world. I'm like, you can figure your own shit out. I don't care. Young, old, like, I'm like, if you pay me, I will do that in exchange for money. That is my jo- Like, that is a thing that I do for my job. But outside of that, I'm breaking up. And it feels so good. Because now I'm actually helping from the right place, which means that when I do help, I will truly, I will be more impactful than I was before.
0: I think that's you. It's like setting the appropriate boundary with yourself over how much you will give and where you will give and what you deserve in response to what you give, right?
1: And it isn't just about me. I think the reason why this has been on my mind is I've been talking to other, several other women in my circle who, as friends, I've been helping them through. I've been on their journey with them in the work world and getting more from their career. And realizing that this game we're playing, like, the rules, as you know, they're all made up. So make up new ones. And guess what happens? People hate change. And people hate losing power. So when you do these things, you should expect, and I am living proof. I've been yelled at my whole life. (laughs) I'm going to ruffle some feathers. People are going to be pissed. (laughs) But the cool thing is if you, like, internalize that in advance – And you set a boundary, which is something I've learned. I've been learning really quickly from you. It's just like you set that internal boundary.
0: It's almost like you're watching them through the like a screen and you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't have to let that in. I can just watch it. Like, is that true for me? Maybe not. Maybe I'll just keep it out there. You can do it. Have fun.
1: (laughs) I used to do that sometimes. Like I I learned this from my coach, Cecilia. It's the zero to one problem. The zero to one leaders when they're having trouble letting go, and they're getting involved. The strategy that she taught me that works every time is you get them more involved with their own idea. Oh, interesting. So how would that work out here? And what about this thing? They start to like get so frustrated. I'm like, you sound really upset. Tell me what's going on there. Like, do you need to take a break? Do you want to talk about this later? But what that does is like taking that approach. It's not a
0: game. It's literally you protecting yourself and staying centered well, so the chaos stays out there. God, boundaries. That's the name of the game in 2023. The the new rules of life is boundaries. But I think that yeah. there's two of them, right? There's your internal protective boundary. And then there's the external boundary too, right? You have two boundaries. And I think that I always used to just think one. And then I also think the tricky thing about boundaries is people use them for to try to manipulate other people's behavior. And it's not that. It's so easy to think about that, right? Like, oh, I'm going to have this boundary and they'll change their behavior because I have this boundary. It's like, no, no, your boundary keeps you safe regardless of what they choose to do.
1: Yeah. Like your boundary has nothing to do with them. It's all about yeah. you. And what a powerful place and not powerful like
0: I rule everybody, over You're under. Like the powers it's, in here, yeah, it's not over under power. it's just yeah. like strength, yeah, wholeness. It's such a
1: different place to be in. you know, I've been talking to you so much recently about feeling invisible, mm. just like screaming from the rooftops and having the same words heard by somebody else, or you know having the work I've done be co-opted by someone else and not getting credit and it's just like not only I can't believe that still happens it's a kind of rage that I think but it's that feeling where you're like you're screaming and no one can hear you Mm. and and no one can hear you I don't think a lot of people like most women I know understand this feeling but what's nice about thinking about things differently now it doesn't matter I when faced with a fatal fucking disease and the worst day-to-day living circumstances like i did not i was not prepared for chemo i am like an extremely high functioning person to the point where like i look fine right now and i my body is screaming yes but like i don't want to just be sick this is helping me right i don't take for granted living a long life anymore because who knows i may not And that was a great way to break me of a lot of old habits that were perpetuating all the things we've been talking about. It's like the perfectionism goes away, the giving, the pleasing people. And I realized like we can re-record this too because I feel like this is a giant monologue for me. So like let's review later.
0: I'm like very Um, into this conversation. Okay, good. Well, I'm like very into it and I appreciate your vulnerability. I'm not in a place where I can share all of my vulnerability right now. Which I respect
1: so much, Margaret. Like, I know that feeling where you're like, I'll do it. (laughs) I was reminded on this journey of discovering the next right thing of my life. All summer, I've been saying to you, tiny bit of context, left Animals last September filled with projects and clients through the end of March when my big client was finished. And so I had some coaching, which I kept, but I took a break from taking on new work because I'd done all this, I'd done all this experimenting, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I took a little bit of time to step back, reflect. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be easier. And all summer I kept I looking what at you and it was easier. finding like, just honing in oh. more detail what I, who, I, what, figuring out what, what you I want offer. to do. Yeah. And what I offer. And then the whole plan was, okay, I'll take a summer off. I'm speaking at inbound and marketing profs with Ashley in the fall and the podcast is relaunching. So that's a good time to like come back out and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. Cause I had never said, I just said I left animal and everyone's like, do you want to, can you come here? Do you want to be my CEO? All throughout the summer, I was stuck and mm-hmm. you saw that. And I just kept saying, all the things i want to do or all the things i'm enjoying don't don't make me money. Earn me money they're free i'm helping my friends i'm like you know i i matched a person with another company i know both sides they're really happy stuff like that i'm helping other agencies get work or other people i'm like you you know who you should talk to this person can really help you and i couldn't figure out why and i it hit me over the head just this week and it was i felt allergic, like repellent, fearful of having to live up to other people's expectations again. I looked back. That's huge. I thought, wow, I remember standing over me in this big open fucking room at a startup and doing that thing that people do where they ask you questions that they know will make you look dumb and just being humiliated. I remember my job before that when I was working directly. This was my job right out of college. In one year working there, I like the front desk. In one year, I was working directly for the COO, managing like project budgets and getting money from our clients and having a like a giant man come into my office, close the door and scream at me, pacing back and forth for something I did not do. And every single job, multiple, my CEO saying... I'm a chicken with my head cut off. Like, all everything I do has been scrutinized my entire career. And I've done a fucking good job. And it was like, and that repeated itself over and over and over. That is so toxic to me now. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I want to go somewhere, do great work, and have someone say, Great. Thanks. You did great work. You're doing, can I give you more support? Because you're really crushing it. Or, not even that, just say yes to whatever it is I've asked them for because there's actual physical
0: proof that I've done a great job, yeah. right? I was going to gonna say, I wonder if like, once money comes involved, do you feel a higher expectation of performance and that's the thing that makes you allergic? If yeah. you're just doing it as a and favor, it can't ever, like nobody can hold it against you if you don't do it. Yeah. Because my training has been, if you even if you don't make a
1: mistake, you still get You still <laughs> get scrutinized. You get scrutinized so much. And you have to watch right next to you a, I'm just going to say it, a man doing a very bad job, not performing at all, and being treated like he is a darling. Other people at the company, male and female, seeing the negative impact that this person has on the company and nothing being done about it it was almost like being able to put that story together started healing me immediately. Because you know what happened? This is going to make me cry. Oh my God. Cancer makes me cry. I'm not going to lie. I'm so emotional, like in a good way though. It's weird. I'm crying more and it's all out of like gratitude, Mm. which is interesting. I have this realization. And then last week, I have two calls. One with a former client who we worked together for a while and then he took a pause in the summer, which he told me about traveling and all that. And we were going to record a podcast episode. We, we didn't record the podcast. He was like, Devin, we did like there's all this stuff going on. Everybody's, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I remembered how much he like he was such a joy to work with because he saw my value and appreciated it. I felt like can't even describe it. It's like a warmth that I've never felt like, oh, I hired you and I'm glad. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was like, that was really refreshing. And then a second person who my friend, Kristen Kraft, referred to me, who I knew I couldn't help with the exact thing that he was looking for. I was like, you you should go (laughs) hire this other person. But I was so excited about what he was doing. I said, look, I can't solve this problem for you. Mm -hmm. This other person can. I'll hook you up. I believe in what you're doing. And so if you ever need anything, I am here (laughs) to hire. Yeah. And he was like, let's schedule something for next week. And I thought we were just going to do a deeper dive on the product. He's like, Devin, I want to pitch you on something. I, you get it. You're like, 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 you are all.
0: I was like, excuse me, baking powder. Um, We know Devin loves someone trying to sell her on something.
1: (laughs) I was just like, Oh, this this can be easy, yeah. and I've accepted hard my whole. Cr- I'm like, this is part of the. You just have to, blah, 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 you have to like.
0: I'll just know. run through this wall with my forehead. Yep, <laughs> I'm spending way too much oh, money on ugly. Botox. Oh, well, okay, well, let's keep putting my head on it. <laughs> oh, there's a door right next to it. Nope, I prefer to put my head through this wall. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> I'm sending all my Botox bills. Former bosses, <laughs> I'm like this is you. Fucking pay me, bitch. Uh So I don't know. Yeah, I just. I Me either. (laughs) I don't know. And I'm going to be so, I hope, I think, was it you that said, I think you and Alex and I were out to dinner and you said something and I got really, I don't like pissed, like not mad, mad, but I was irritated and you guys knew it. You said, what did you say? You called me like an optimist or something.
0: No, I think what I, what I've seen from you is with like specifically with misogyny, you don't expect it to exist and then when you find it you get so mad that it's there and i walk around the world expecting it to be everywhere and then the moments that it's not present i'm like cool look at this wonderful moment and it's just that different set point point. and i think that it's an interesting set point too of like i feel that way not just about misogyny but also about like troubles and struggles in life i expect almost everything to go wrong in a given day and then when things go right, I'm just like overjoyed by the fact that I had an easy day. But like I yeah. go to the airport and probably there's going to be traffic and probably the TSA line's going to be long. And I expect every friction point to be frictionful. And then yeah. my life is wonderful when, you know, 70% of those things actually don't happen. But the opposite can be really hard, I think, for you because your baseline expectation is everything is joyous and wonderful. And then like those moments that they're not really rock you. Yeah. Which isn't a conscious thing, by the way. Cause no, I know.
1: That's probably what makes it so hard. It's like ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think expecting it is any better. It's like it's clearly day to day. It is a mechanism by which, yeah. like, helps you stay calm and e- well. The
0: equalized. issue is if you expect to see it everywhere, it's one of those things where it's like if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so if you expect to see it everywhere, it's like a little bit of that, right? So you have to be careful with that. It's like, am I seeing it where it doesn't actually even exist, right? Because I'm so used yeah. to it being around the corner. But at the same time, it to me feels like that. It's the armor that I choose to wear, right? I feel like we're both wearing just different styles of the same armor. It's not just male perpetuated. No. Women, oh God, the, no. the number, I no. think the
1: most, actually, I think this is probably the most heartbreaking thing. And I, I again, i I live in a bubble, a good bubble, of strong women who get it. But there's a lot, even now of women perpetuating that same stuff, and it that really breaks my heart. Like people who have it, and then they just sort of choose
0: to lean on people they don't guys they don't need that's the thing is the system is built in a hierarchy and then women will default to thinking that participating in the system gets them a better spot than other people in the hierarchy they might not be they might acknowledge that they can't be at the top but participating in the system means that i'll be better off than it's all this over under idea and it's all hierarchy and, it's and women will participate myth. in that too it's not even really gendered it's just hierarchy
1: like no it is also gendered. I'm focusing on gender because that is the perspective where I have experience. Mm. And so I don't want to leave
0: out. That is why it's we're so talking funny about because it. Because I feel that. like historically, you've always been like trying to not exactly not gender the podcast. And so I feel like I put in those things to like, make sure that like, you and I are speaking the same language. And now you're like, fuck it. No, it is gendered
1: it is but that's the thing and so over the past 2 years i've read several articles about the volume of women leaving ce like c level positions of their own like of their own volition earning by some miracle actually getting a senior title a, p- a title of power being in the c suite absolutely does not increase your impact or change anything you're just in the same exact situation only Like you're still not listening to and you're not fixing anything below you because you still fucking can't. And the reason why I want to say this out loud is that you can't fix something if it's invisible or if you've buried it. If we can just say the words out loud and accept that it's a thing and stop being angry and pointing fingers, then we can start to make a difference. Yeah, Men aren't bad. But we have a system in which a bad behavior is being perpetuated and there's a lot of shitty men in that system doing things that are objectively wrong and they're not being held to account because to do that means you have to call them out and nobody wants that because they're so fucking afraid yeah. of whatever that system that is. Have Crumbling. you read
0: that book For the Love of Men? It's by Elizabeth Plank. I'm reading it right now. And it's literally about this. It's about how like patriarchy and misogyny affects men negatively too.
1: It does. And here's the thing. This has been my greatest disappointment. I, in my entire career, I wanted to move up and have these new big challenges. I wanted to be a leader. Guess what? This is a glass house. I'm surrounded by fearful people everywhere. Every system that we have from the way we fund things to what the the way those the startups are counselled to function to every single thing all i see are people who are too fucking afraid to try something that's actually new they're all making fear based decisions
0: and i need you to know it's fucking boring and you know the opposite of a fear based decision is a love based decision it's right? bravery
1: and curiosity and it takes bravery and curiosity to, to experience love. When I set our values in, or reset them at Animals when I became CEO, curiosity and bravery were my two, and I've kept them because it takes bravery to be curious. It takes bravery to look at a system that in a lot of ways designed against you and try to do something that serves you, that's different, that you believe in. And the problem is... And that system is filled with people who haven't faced actual adversity Mm. in their personality, their accomplishments. They are fragile. One tiny bit of criticism and they crumble. They can't fucking handle it. And so just coming at them with a normal level of feedback or challenging, that's why we get called hysterical
0: because they can't fucking handle it. And I'm like, there's so much here. I could talk to you forever about this. And to me, it's it's like living that unexamined life is so toxic. And women have examined every parts of ourselves. We know where all of the bits are. We know where the childhood trauma lives. We can talk about it with people. We can share our emotions. We're always getting better. And then there's like a subsection of the population that's just fucking not examining anything. And it's like, how do we ever talk to each other, you know? And those subset, at least in our industry,
1: because it's very small, so it's easy to see them. Nobody challenges them. They just say stuff that's like banal and interesting and everyone falls all over themselves. I'm like, they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. And it's just like, this is everyone. This is on everyone. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our season three finale. We'll be back in... February for season four and we can't wait definitely expect more conversations like these in the meantime follow along with us on Substack where we'll still be publishing a weekly newsletter continuing some of the conversations we started in season three and even highlighting a few guest perspectives you can also follow Margaret and I on LinkedIn just Google our names will come up and we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to hit us up on LinkedIn or Substack and let us know what you're thinking. Have a great holiday, everybody.